Hello, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary, and this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here, we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? Good to have you back, everybody. Um, I'm excited that you've decided to join us on the third part of a three-part deep dive into Romans 11. Um, just as a quick uh, overview, you know, at first we thought we could cover all this in two two parts, but we realized that that just wasn't yeah, going to cut it. Thinking, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Romans 11 is so rich that we could spend much more time on it, but we're going to try to wrap up, wrap it up this week, at least for now. Um, a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about the concept of being grafted into the olive tree of Israel and what that really means for Gentile believers. Gary shared his personal testimony of how an accurate understanding of Romans 11 changed his life forever. And we both firmly believe that this kind of understanding will change any believer's life and walk forever. In the second part of our Romans 11 study, we started to unpeel the layers of a Christian doctrine known as once saved, always saved. We talked about how important it is not to just cherry pick various Bible verses to support a preconception that you may already hold about a concept. Because really, you can probably find a Bible verse to support almost any theological idea or belief that you already have. We have to avoid taking... Um, a single verse out of its original context, context and ignoring all the larger God patterns. In our last episode, we, drew, we dove into the concept of covenants, personal choice, and the biblical concept of being cut off. Yikes. Yeah, <laughs> scary and I encourage you to listen to both of these episodes to help you better understand these patterns. But today we want to talk about another couple terms. That one is election or predestination and holding on to our faith to the end. These are concepts that are clearly in the Bible. We want to look at them in a big holistic way. Um, they're not just New Testament concepts, which would surprise some people. Um, so we can't limit our study study of these concepts to the Newer Testament. As always, the story starts where all good stories start, at the beginning. So after this, let's talk about election and choice, and let's talk Torah. Long ago, God declared his redemptive plans for the world he created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now, as the end draws near, believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the biblical feasts which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind in the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. In this book, author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel, as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit TorahTalk21.com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. Okay, welcome back. 
I ended our last podcast by saying that if we are earnestly seeking God's truth, we can't conven- conveniently ignore Bible passages and concepts that we don't like or that don't fit with our theology. We can't just sample from the buffet, so to speak. We yeah. have to eat everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's dangerous otherwise. Exactly. And truly, we've got to start with the hors d'oeuvres. We've got to start in the beginning, and we've got to go through the main course. We've got to get to the dessert. We have to go from beginning to end. Absolutely. How would you like that analogy? I like that. Okay. I, it made me hungry. but. Okay. I, <laughs> You know, Christians often had a tendency to discuss or argue any topic by going straight to Paul. We mm. know that. Yes. <laughs> and and then they often tend to take Paul completely out of its Hebrew context. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a great analogy about talk. And when we listen to Paul, it's like listening to somebody um, talking on the phone. You only hear one part of the conversation. And that's what's happened many times with the letters of Paul. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, I want to uh, remind everyone of a topic we discussed in the last podcast, and that was Greek thinking versus Hebrew thinking. And Greek thinking requires us to choose either or. Mm-hmm. You can't have two things. You have to choose one or the other, and then you got to stick with it, okay? But Hebrew thinking works a little bit differently. It does allow for a this and that. Yeah. And we talked briefly about the sheepfold of ideas, and if you want more information about that idea of a sheepfold, uh, which represents Hebraic thinking, please go back to our last podcast where we discussed that. But in brief, it's simply that Hebrew thinking doesn't limit itself to either or. Right. That often it's it's much more than that. So you can put several um, different ideas into a sheepfold and they can all live together in harmony, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like little sheep. Without conflict, yes. (laughs) You know, this this, uh, topic of election and choice, these are hot topics. I mentioned, I think, in the first uh, podcast something about Calvinism, mm-hmm. okay, because they're real big on the whole election and predestination kind of concept. And and surely, surely, you can go through the Bible, and, and we'll, we'll bring it up as we go along, all of the places where it talks about election, yeah. okay? And in fact, the Hebrew word for election, bakar, is used 164 times in the Old Testament, Imagine that. Imagine that. Back to our foundation, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people would, that would come as a surprise to them. Mm. You know, they're thinking that that's just something Paul talked about. Yeah, I, I've often said, you know, it's always been about grace, a God approaching mankind with the restoration process. We'll, we'll be talking about Abraham exactly. in a moment. Exactly. But that was, that God initiated that. You know, yeah. That's interesting because I was reading in, um, uh, I love Skip Moen's work, mm-hmm. okay? And I've mentioned Skip Moen, M-O-E-N, uh, for those of you who are interested in going to his work, skipmoen.com. And uh, so Skip says that in these 164 references in the Old Testament, God is the subject in 92 of those occurrences. Furthermore, the verb is almost always used in a way that describes a choice that is of utmost significance to the one who chooses. Mm. God, in this case. Yeah, God, in this case, and and you know, let's let's start with, let's start with Abraham. Let's start with Ray Abraham because yes. because we know that when we look at the scripture, that mankind uh, had fallen, uh, starting in Genesis. Uh, 
we have we see we have the flood and then we see it start all over again. We see the uh, the Tower of Babel incident and we don't we don't have to get into all those details right now, but uh, juxtaposed, juxtaposed from that Tower of Babel incident, we have the story of Abraham or Abram at the time, God choosing, you know. But then you have this this. Uh, well, of course, let's look at the, the word say from Genesis 12, 1 to Abraham. God says, get out. OK, <laughs> get out of the country that you're in and go go to a, another place. Well, then in verse four, we see uh, of Genesis 12, Abraham departed. We see him being obedient. Genesis 15, 6. He didn't need to be evicted. He just he, got out he, when he said. <laughs> exactly. God didn't God didn't give him the boot. He just told him, this is what I want you to do. He didn't go in and pluck him out of, of the of Ur of the Chaldees and take him to the land of Canaan. He said, "This is what I want you to do," and we know from Genesis. I like that. Yeah, yeah. He, could, he didn't just yeah force him out. Yeah. So he t- he asks him to do this, and then we know from Genesis fifteen six, and it's repeated in Romans four three that. Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So the fact that he could be rewarded for obedience means that he had a choice. I believe fully. He could have rejected God and God would have had to have chosen somebody else that would be obedient. You know, that argument can continue with one of with Abraham's grandson Jacob and Esau, grandsons Jacob and Esau. Where we, we look at Jacob as being the one who carries the torch of this promise. But did Esau have a choice? I believe he did. It, it, you know, it says that, it, that in Genesis 25, 34, that he despised his birthright. He despised it. There was his choice. There was his choice. He to. had a birthright, but he despised it. In other words, he didn't want the responsibility of taking on being, you know, this Jacob was going to become the nation, the, the light to the nations. He was going to create a nation through his sons that would be a light to the nations. And apparently Esau did not want that responsibility and he rejected it. I find that to be so intriguing. And yet at the same time, the God, big God pattern yeah. is that, that making that choice, God making a choice and then someone saying, I accept that mm-hmm. or I reject that. We see it in Jeremiah 1, 5. Uh, Jeremiah is called and he, he says, before I, I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Right. That's used a lot. I know in the uh, pro-life, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, sure, uh, sure. Movement. But it it does definitely show us that God does have these uh uh, he does make elections. He does have. He does make these decisions. But, but could Jeremiah have said no? I think so. I believe so. I mean, I mean, we, he's we, not a robot. We're no, not robots. No, no, none of. And you know, we 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 talk about Paul a lot. Um, he's the one that that said he struggled constantly. Roman Romans seven fifteen mentions how he struggled with the, the with doing the right thing. I mean, which I love the fact that, that he was that transparent because we all at times wonder, you know, how do we measure up? Oh, you know, I, you know, are we really walking the way God would have us to walk when we constantly fail? But then we look back at the giants of, our, of, of faith in the scripture. They all had the same struggle. 
we all have a choice to make daily, minute by minute, to do what God was calling us to do. I like to think about the story of Jonah. Yeah. Now, that was a little, that one, you know, he tried to get away at first, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Right. So he jumps ship, he jumps on a ship and he tries to go the other way. And and God pursues him in that. Yes, and I did. love that idea yeah. that God pursued him for this purpose he had for him. And and at some point Jeremiah um says, "Yes, I will follow. I will do that." Now, I find it interesting. You know, would it have been easier for Jonah if he'd obeyed from the beginning? Yes. Yeah. I don't think he would have ended up in the belly of the whale for three right, days. Right. You know. But isn't that beautiful of, of our God, of Jehovah? He will pursue us and give us that opportunity. He give us more. He doesn't just reject us immediately if we reject. You know, our our attempts to reject the, the that obedience. In the case of Jonah, I mean, when you think about it, it wasn't because he was a coward. It was because he really didn't want to see uh, God's mercy on, on Nineveh. Nineveh. Right. You know, there were enemies. You know, <laughs> he uh, had some certain thoughts about he, Nineveh. <laughs> yes, he did. So, um, but but God knew better, and and uh, Jonah learned a valuable lesson, of course. You know, I, I think it's so important to uh, realize that you know, once again, we're not robots. We have these choices within us. We've talked about it before. We talk about this Hebraic concept of the Yetzer Hara and the mm-hmm. Yetzer Tov, mm-hmm. the evil and the good uh, inclination that each of us has. What that means is we have a personal will. Yes. You know, and 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 God honors that will, and and we see that throughout the Bible. He gives us a choice. Yes, he he offers a gift to us, and then if we don't want it, mm. yeah. And and I think that I think Paul describes that beautifully as far as being a gift in Ephesians chapter two verse ten. He says, "For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." So there's that. Pre, that prep, preparation process, and then there's the the, cho- the choice to he walk or not. He gives us a gift, and then we choose to walk with it right. or not. Exactly. Right. Yes. You know, uh, the Israelites are just another perfect example of this idea of God choosing or electing a group mm-hmm. of people. Okay, the chosen people. Okay. Right. <laughs> Any clearer than that. Okay. You know, you, you've got to wonder... Was it God's original intent that they wander through the de- desert for 40 years? No, no. I don't, I don't think it was. No. And I think we see that, you know, in Numbers 14, when the 10 spies come back from reconnoitering the land, love that mm-hmm. word, mm-hmm. Um, they bring back a bad report. And the people believe and they want to get rid of Moses and head back to Egypt. Okay, right. they want that. And God gets very angry with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, in fact, he says he wants to go ahead and get rid of all of them and start again with Moses. And of course, Moses, bless his heart, he jumps in there and, and, he, uh, intercedes. and he intercedes on yes. their behalf. But that's that's what he did. You know, that that's what was so great about Moses. And in, in, it talks about in Numbers, uh, it was Numbers 14 um, and 20. And it says, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised an oath to their ancestors. 
I, I think that's a great place to, to quote Hebrews eleven six. It's impossible to please God without faithfulness. I'm going to use faithfulness because imunah is faithfulness, not just faith. They, they, they failed in pleasing him by going forward in what he had called them to do. And in fact, Paul uses this rebellion, this failure um, as a warning. And in, in he, like I said, in, in, it's a very strong warning. And I have to say, would he warn us? Would this be in the word if we didn't have a choice about following him? Why warn us? Why would Paul say, hey, right. look at what these guys did or didn't do. Mm. And, and it's a warning to you. Don't harden your hearts like they did. Do right. not be disobedient. Paul wouldn't need to warn us if we didn't have a choice in that. Well, I, I think that's that's a beautiful point. I think that that's very logical. And, and I think that hardening of the heart, uh, I'm going to speak bluntly here. I think this, you know, we've been talking, uh, talking about these concepts. We're talking about once saved, always saved. I think that comes from a place of a hardened heart. In other words, it's looking for a loophole. It's looking for, you know, I've heard... Even an easy way out, an too. An easy way out. Yeah, I've heard it said by somebody I know... Uh, that I punched my clock when I was, you know, a teenager. In other words, you know, in, in his case, I think it was it was uh, his, his Catholic upbringing. Uh, others, as were we, as were we, and in others, it's uh, you know this. Uh, okay, I, I was in. Let's say I'll use this example. Um, we were we were in a youth group, at, and at 13 years old, I gave my life to the Lord. Am I walking now at 30 years old? Am I walking with Him? No, but I'm okay. You know, that kind of thing is a hardening of the heart. It's not walking with your creator in, in obedience and in love. It's, it's just like, uh, you know, I've got this uh, salvation card in my back pocket. That, and I just don't think that's, that's a hardening of the heart. I don't think that's coming from a good yes, place. Yes, I, 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 totally, I totally agree with that. Sometimes that leads to the accusation of a cheap grace. Yes. You know, that's yes. what I think where that concept comes yeah, from. Yeah, Dietrich too. Bonhoeffer coined that phrase, and I think it's so appropriate here. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, Kathy, there's a, a proverb 14, 12 says something that I think speaks right into this. Um, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now that's, that's harsh, but the, the real profound truth in here is in the Hebrew. The Hebrew word here, the words say, which is the straight path. That's what, that's what this is describing. Direct, direct the, that path. That yeah, path yeah, that, that, that is, word. yeah. So there, there, see, there is a, a way. And then there's the way. This is describing a way that, that seems right to a man, but it's the path of least resistance. It's that, it's that way where, you know, go along to get along or go, you know, going with the flow. You know what I always say, only dead fish go with the flow. Because this is, this is just that easy way. And I think that, that easy button or the easy way out is that once saved, always saved concept. Whereas God's way... Tell us what you think, Gary. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I don't have a trouble doing that, do I? Uh, the, the Hebrew way, words here for the way is ha de rech, the, the way. And I think that is different than 
you know, a way. Uh, a way. And the way. Oh, yes, the of course. Way. And then we go and read what Paul said about the way in, in, in Acts chapter now 24. You can go to Paul. I'll go to Paul yes. in verse 24, uh, or chapter 24 of Acts, verse 14. And this is one of the most profound statements for all those who think that somehow Paul did away with, with the, the keeping the Torah. It says, but this I confess to you, that according to the way, the way, which we call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the Torah, or in the English it says the law, and in the prophets. Now, does that sound like somebody who just said, no, you don't have to keep You don't have to do way, anything. Yeah, you got your ticket to heaven and everything is fine. Right. You know, I... And, but yet, I think before going to Paul, you had to go back. You have to go back. You have to go back, you yeah. know. So you can't just jump straight into Paul. And I think that is the problem that we have within the church so much. You know, you've got to go back. And you go back. You know, we were talking about the Israelites. You know, I think that exodus from Egypt, it is clearly a huge pattern or prototype. Yeah. Okay. And it's a pattern for God's redemption. The people were in bondage in Egypt, okay? Mm -hmm. The word Mitzrayim for Egypt is bondage, okay? And through grace, God provided a lamb whose blood rescued them or redeemed them. So they were redeemed by the blood. Mm -hmm. They headed out for the promised land. They weren't already automatically in it. Right. They had to walk there. There it is. Yes. And during their walk, they rebelled. And in turn... They didn't get to the promised land. There it is. It's a walk. You know, salvation is a noun. Walk is a verb. Mm-hmm. You know, we. I think this is the difference. You have to walk it out. You have to get there. Yes. So, you know, they had a choice. They had been redeemed. Okay. Mm-hmm. They chose disobedience. Okay. A walk of disobedience. A walk. A right. way. Right. A way. Okay. Right. And it did not lead them to the promised land. No, it didn't. It did not lead them to it, the promised let, land. Let them uh, wander for a long a period long, of time. A long, long time, exactly. So they end up there in the wilderness, and th- I, that just, I don't believe, was God's original plan. You know, I think it's also important to note that the Israelites as a people, as a people, they did get to the promised land. But not each individual Israelite did. That's a good point. Okay. I, yeah. I think that's important. He, God's promise to his people was was still intact. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, his purposes for his chosen people, it was still accomplished. But not all the players made it to the right. end. Maybe maybe that's what, uh, once again, Paul was referring to, uh, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yes. Uh, F- uh, Philippians 2, 12 and 16, uh, it describes that to process. It's a process. You each, And even though there was a national salvation, there was a national release of uh, the slaves from Egypt who became the nation of Israel, they still had to walk individually. Individually, within yeah. their own individual hearts. Right. Yes. You know... The words in uh, the book of Esther, uh, Esther's uncle Mordecai, said probably some of the most famous words 
in the entire mm-hmm. Bible, <laughs> oft repeated, as they say. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it, of course, in that story, the Jewish people are, fret, are, are, are being threatened by annihilation. Right. And Esther has been placed, uh, she's, she's married the king, and she's in, obviously, a unique place to stand up for her people and defend them. And her uncle, she, she's a little reluctant to do that, because that's a scary thing to go sure. before the king. I think you had your head chopped off or she something. If he, yeah, yes, if exactly. He And so Mordecai says, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, liberation and rescue will arise from the Jews from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Mm. So it says liberation and rescue will arise for the Jews from another place. Now, typically we have looked at that and said, God's going to find another person. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily say he's going to find another person, but he will find another way. It's going to, it's going to happen one way or the other. This rescue is going to happen. Now, going back to Skip Moen again. He said, what is suggest in these words is that the events of our lives are contingently engineered. That's an interesting mm-hmm. term. If we fail at the task God expected us to perform, we can be replaced by another plan. And, and it's interesting. So it's talking again about this, this path that God has set and, and we're marching toward a destination, right? But it's not a straight line. Mm. Okay. It goes back and forth and he picks people to be part of this. And some say yes. And some say, so no, say no. So I just wanted to read a little bit more from Skip Moen because I just, I was going to put it in my own words. And honestly, he just said a lot better. So I'm just (laughs) like, okay. He says, this way of viewing God's handiwork in the world means that the route to fulfill his intentions is always shifting. Every choice of human agents affects the path. Every crossroad offers alternatives, but none is cast in stone. It might be that God holds the ultimate trump card and that someday he will force the path to fit his desire. That happened in the past. In the days of Noah, Hmm. God usurped human freedom. He could do it again, but it seems that he is very reluctant to do so. Consequently, until he exercises sovereignty over all human action, life twists and turns according to the contingent choices we all make. Mm. Mordecai simply articulates what we all experience. Things change, and God seems to find that acceptable for now. For now. That, that's, that's very powerful, and I think I believe it. Uh, we, are, we know that there's going to be the ultimate victory. He's going to come to Israel's salvation, uh, you know, uh, deliver Israel from the final war. He's going to take matters into his own hands again, as he did in the days of Noah, which Yeshua told us he would do, as in the days of Noah. So, yeah, that's another biblical pattern. In between, we have all these choices to make, and ultimately, judgment will come. I always try to picture that concept of God up there trying to deal with all of us and all of our choices. Mm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, just as a, as a parent, you have a plan for a child and you got, yeah. you know, you got one child and they make a decision that, you know, doesn't quite fit in. You're like, ah, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> but I think we can trust that God's going to move it forward no matter what. He will, but I'm sure it grieves his heart when exactly. he sees some of uh, our it, behavior. 
You know, um, in the New Testament, you know, Yeshua used parables, of course, all the time. Mm -hmm. And he he talks about this parable of uh, being elected or invited. And he says that in this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. Mm. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. Boy, that sounds like today, right? exactly. (laughs) They had other things to do. The cares of this life. Yes. Yes. That the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, uh, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Then the next lines tell us about one particular guest who got in Mm -hmm. but did not have the appropriate clothing, which we know that these wedding clothing, this wedding clothing is the, the... the white, the uh, the the righteousness, and clothed, it, yeah. clothed in and the robes of righteousness. From what I understand, by the king. Yes. 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 So anyway, this guy didn't have it, but it's interesting that Yeshua finishes this parable and he says, "For many are invited, but few are chosen." Mm. And and if you look at those book those words invited, uh, this is in the concordance. It it, it is invited as many are called summoned to an office, Mm. summoned to salvation. Mm. So you're given an invitation, right? Okay. You're given an invitation, but then that word for chosen eclectos, which is where we get election too. Uh Okay. It it means chosen out elected, but I saw something really interesting in Strong's concordance and it said, um, it describes people who choose to follow the Lord or become God's or become God's choice by freely receiving faith from him. Yes. That's uh, powerful. There it is, though. That's that um, that idea. Of it's impossible to please God without faithfulness, and that he and that grace is his his power given to you to choose him. I just love that idea. I know we mentioned yeah, that we last did, week. I thought it was worth repeating. So say I, and I made you repeat it last week. So repeat it again this week. Yeah, I think grace. I, I, yeah, grace. Grace is not. Um, uh, God, God choosing us. It's God giving us the power to choose him. That I think is exactly what we're talking about right here. Yeah. And I think that that is so powerful, but that does require a paradigm shift in it does. thinking. It does, but it, it, but it requires a response. I think that's, that is what is missing yes. in, in much of our messaging, especially in the evangelical world. What did, what, what did both John the Baptist and Yeshua start their ministry? It's recorded deliberately. They started their ministries with the same words. Repent. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Turn to Shuva. That requires a, an action on our part. Not just a, a, not just a mental uh, ascent or just, or just uh, speaking the right words, holding your tongue right when you say a prayer. It's actually that, as you said, you used the, the Hebrew word, Teshuvah. That's a 180 degree turn from the way we were going. And then what? Walk 
with God. Yes, yes. I think that's what we struggle with, again, in this Greek versus Hebrew thinking and Mm -hmm. the Greek thinking that we have in the church, which emphasizes uh, beliefs, you know, things that we think in our head Mm -hmm. versus things that we actually do and actions. And it's very, it is a very different way of thinking. And it is so ingrained in us in the church that we have to believe correctly mm-hmm. and think correctly uh, rather than this idea of do. Do, act correctly. Act correctly. Yes. And the only way to act correctly is the Torah. The Torah. Absolutely. Otherwise, we're each doing what is right in our own heart. That's not going to work so well. Never has. <laughs> no, it never has. And in fact, you know, I, I, I believe that uh, Micah, um, six eight speaks to this what this response this um, this it's a there's a um, reciprocation of what what God gives us we have to respond to and it says he has shown you O man what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly to love mercy to walk humbly with your God. And that, of course, that word for mercy there is chesed, which is a whole nother, you know, we could spend uh, days speaking of that, but that requires a response. And it says to walk with God, not just, okay, I'm saved, one and done. No, it's now you're going to walk with him for the rest of your life. And that's almost a daily choice. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, as I said at the beginning, that often uh, within Christianity, we tend to have an idea of what we think about something, and then we go straight to look for the verses that support what we do. And that's not really the best way to do this. Mm. But, okay, let's acknowledge that for those who really firmly believe in this concept of election, um, that you're predestined for something, okay, mm-hmm. and that the nothing will change, and that obviously does with exists within the body there that belief system does you know you can certainly go to the words of paul and find many 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 verses that support that i would never deny that it is clearly in the word john um, ephesians 1 4 through 5 even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to his purpose. Okay, very clearly, Romans 8, 28 says the same thing, the same idea that he foreknew us and he predestined us. Okay, those words are clearly there. They are there. Yes, but yes. But it says he, he predestined a, a path for us. But I believe firmly that we can choose to yes. walk off that path. Yes. So like I said from the very beginning, that idea of predestination and election, it goes in the sheepfold. Yes. It absolutely yes. goes in the sheepfold. You know, um, you mentioned earlier, you kind of hit on this idea of salvation as an ongoing walk. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit and what that looks like and what that means related to this topic of once saved, always saved. Yeah, I, th- I think what we, you know, what we are discussing throughout this program is the idea of, I think it would be what James would refer to as be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Oh, you're just deceiving yourself. 
I, I think that we, you know, we hear the words of Yeshua, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then, of course, all the passages that I've already shared all speak of a walk, a, a continuous, you know, Paul's uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, be a doer. Um, Interesting. Walk. Work out your salvation. And everybody's yeah. like, works. Ah, no works. We don't want works. <laughs> No, I know. See, that's that is that is gives this idea of of works being for salvation, but that's not what we're saying here. Right. We're saying that God has opened that door, made a way for us, and and salvation comes because He made that way. That's the grace part of it. But there's an expectation of a response on our part to walk it out. Uh, we have we there. There's where obedience comes in. It's not. Uh, I think that I, I if I do all these religious acts, I'm earning favor with God. No, He desires that we walk this path. Number one, for, for our own good, and two, because it's pleasing to Him to see us uh, to demonstrate uh, through faithfulness that we love Him. Right, and so the first thing is just like when we go back to the Israelites coming out of Egypt. We're redeemed first, and then we engage in the walk. Right. You know, before redemption, there's really not much point in doing the walk. There's yeah. no point. I mean, I guess other people might appreciate it if you don't cheat, murder, steal. Okay. I'm sure, yeah, the, yeah. Either way, it's the best way of life, okay, right? Okay, it's either way. But, exactly. but as you said, I think we've talked about this before, that, that the Torah was for a redeemed people. Yes. And, and yet, you know, when somebody keeps the Torah without knowing it, again, are they still living a better life? Does mankind appreciate living around those people? Yes. Does mankind appreciate living around a murderer or, or an adulterer or all those things? No. It, we, if, if we're really honest with ourselves, we, we prefer this. Exactly. Even though at times we, we're disobedient, we, we really look into it clearly, closely. We prefer to be around people and maybe even love ourselves more when we live that type of life. I think it's the same thing that the founders were going at. When, you know, when we were a nation established on these principles, mm -hmm. they were saying, you don't have to think the same way we think and believe in the same God we believe in, but you certainly will benefit by living yeah. in a nation that has these principles as its guiding principles. Yes. And that has been so true throughout history. And they even history. said the conditions were that, that we would not be able to keep this system of government going if we do not. And, and I think we can think see evidence of that. I think we can see evidence of that today that if we don't, if we're not, and when I say moral, I mean Torah observant, when we're not a moral people, that this, this falls apart. You know, I, I'd love to hear uh, the, the, the left and, and unbelievers say, um, you know, our values. Well, there again, you know, a way a man thinks that is right, but in the way is destruction. The, the, our values should align with the Torah, with God's word, or they're not values at all. Right. And yet even at the same time, I think many within the left, or maybe many who uh, don't acknowledge God in the, mm. or the same way we do, they do hold some values mm -hmm. that they get from Torah, whether they oh, yeah, know whether it or they not. Know it or not. Yes, sure, yeah. Sure. I mean, if they're thinking it's not a good idea to murder someone, they're holding a value that go. comes from the God there of Israel. You go. Exactly. You know, yeah. No matter what. But you know, um, I, this idea that salvation is a decision I made in the past mm. and then I'm done is a very, um, I'd say Greek way of thinking. Yeah. Because 
in Hebrew thinking, we've said before, Hebrew has two verb tenses. Mm -hmm. One is done in the past, and one is ongoing. It is continuing all the time. This salvation issue, based on a lot of these verses we've already been talking about, about the walk, is an ongoing process. Yes, it is. And, and Paul clearly speaks about that many times in the New Testament, where he's telling us to hold on to our faith, to run the good uh, race, mm-hmm. hold on to it to the end. You know, when you get your salvation, you're at the beginning of the line. Now you run this race. You don't want to stop halfway through. You want to get to the finish line. And I think that's part of what in Revelation, when it talks about the saints who endure till the end, they're running to the very, very end. Okay. They don't stop halfway through. No, that's that's a great point, Kathy. And I think uh, for for all of us who uh, believe that the Messiah will return, that Yeshua will return, uh, let's ask ourselves this. I, I might be talking to somebody in our audience right now who's listening to us, trying to figure: Is this for real? Is this right? Is this? You know, let's let's ask this question: If we are not supposed to be obedient to, to the Torah. If we're not supposed to walk this out as part of our, 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 our salvation, uh, uh, you know, d- demonstration of our salvation, then why is it that when he returns that he's teaching the Torah? There are two places in Isaiah 2, 1 through 4, and Micah 4, 1 through 4. It says the same thing, that, that at the, at the, at the, in those very last days, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. All nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and and he, we, we shall walk in this path, for out of Zion shall go forth the Torah. Torah. It, in the English Bible, it says law. It shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And then he's going to judge between many nations. That is an end time prophecy. That is a, why, why would Yeshua come, disregard his father's Torah, his, his father's instruction, teach that we don't have to keep him, and then in, when he returns, now all of a sudden he's back to teaching the Torah. It, does, it makes no sense it makes whatsoever. No sense. The it, idea that he would contradict his father makes no sense to start with. And then we see the scripture there. No, that's you know. a scary thought. Yeah. That's yeah. a very scary thought. I, you know, I, I was talking, in, you know, about Revelation and talking about the endurance of the saints. And, and there's verses, and Gary, I, I, I should have written these down in Revelation, but it talks about those saints who, are in, who do endure to the end. Yeah. They sing the song of Moses and the mm-hmm. song of the Lamb. And I read something um, in a book that said, it's not two different songs. It's one song with two-part harmony. And I thought, that's a beautiful way to think about it. But they are singing both. They have that song with its two-part harmony, and they are singing both parts. And I think what's happened in the church is we've been singing one part of the harmony, and uh, within the nation of Israel, the Jewish people um, have been singing another part. Mm. Okay, 
let's come together now so that we have both parts of this. Yeah, How beautiful is that going to be? That is, that is beautiful because, you know, there, there it is. You know, Yeshua came for his own. He came for, for the Jewish people, but he opened the door for all of us as, as Gentiles. And, um, it, and, and of course, Paul calls it, you know, he, he broke that wall of division. He put, t- tore down the partition that, that separated us. We see it in, uh, in, in Peter's words when he's gone to Cornelius's house and says, um, I see that God is no respecter of persons. Uh, if we could really fully understand that, that and going back to that grafting in, that we have become a part of yes. this plan through, because, again, because of God's grace. And then he calls us into this fold, and then we have responsibility once we get there. I want to go back, because we're going to end with that, going back to that grafting. But I want to say one more thing that's just been really heavy on my mind lately. Once again, um, you know, we look at, I've been talking about Revelation and those who endure to the end. There is also a, a, a reference And once again, I apologize to the audience because I don't have it right now in front of me because I'm just thinking about it. It wasn't part of my script originally, (laughs) but um, it it is talking about how the beast goes after um, those who keep the commandments of Moses and the blood of Yeshua. There's once again, that concept of both of those things together. Uh, yeah, that's in, that's in Revelation chapter 20, I believe is what you're referring right. to. And I saw the thrones of those who sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness of Jesus and for the word of God who had worshipped the beast. Is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, but there's another one about the, the beast specifically goes off to make war against uh, against the, a group of people. And I, I apologize to the audience against a group of people who both um, keep the commandments and have the testimony of Jesus. Mm. So um, I'm going to have to make a note about that so we can get uh, back to that at some point. Or I can give this as an assignment to those of you <laughs> to find that in Revelation that the beast is going after this group of people that um, who are both keeping commandments of Moses and have the testimony of the blood of the lamb. Mm-hmm. So it's both of those things. And I think that this concept of both of those together, the two-part harmony is what will enable us to endure to the end. Mm. Now, the end may be martyrdom for some people. I'm not saying you make it all the way to the end. Okay, I'm not saying that, and it has been. Exactly, exactly. But I'm saying that the safest path to be on to the end is that path of obedience. Okay, we've Mm. talked about that path. It's the safest path to get to the end is to be on that path. You don't want to get off of that path. You don't want to get off of the way Right. To find any old way, any any way, yeah, yes. any other way, than any D-way. other way, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So you know, I want to go back to the verses that did start all of this in Romans eleven, and if we look at Romans eleven, where it's talking about the olive tree of Israel, and let me just go back and and look at this, and it says, um, and if some of the branches be broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and and have partaken of the roots and the fa- fatness of the olive olive tree do not boast against the branches but if you boast it, but remember it's it's not the uh, 
but if if you boast, thou boast not the root, but the root thing. Gary, I have a bad version of this. <laughs> I have. <laughs> is this the King James version? Will you look this up and yeah. read this in your Bible, please? Let's do this again. I, I that's so funny. I I pulled things up in my notes and I'm like, I didn't even realize I had a King James version of this okay. that I can barely even read myself. <laughs> Let's go to Romans 11. Right Let's now. go to Romans and where 11. Where did you start? You started with I the started with the branches being okay. broken off. Let's right. read this. This is the New King James version. Okay, Romans, that should be a be- that should yeah, be Romans better. Romans right? 11:17 mm-hmm. says, "And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with the and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches." But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You shall say then, branches were broken off that I may be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. That's right. That's right. Go on just a little bit further on that. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in the goodness. Otherwise, continue. you will also be cut off. Exactly. There it is right there again. There it is absolutely. right there again. Um, I, I, absolutely. Now go on to verse uh, 23, because I okay. think we see it again, too. Yes, he does. And he says, and they, also, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Mm-hmm. For if you were cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into the cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yet there's that idea. My uh, King James Version said if they, it uses the word abide. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's abiding in, continuing in, continuing that walk idea, living in, living about you, you abide with some, that's an idea of living with. Mm -hmm. It's that, it's a continued walk. This, these verses very clearly support what we've been saying over the last few weeks that, you know, you can be part of this tree. You can be broken off for unbelief. You can graciously Mm -hmm. be grafted back in. Mm -hmm. Okay. um, Because of belief, but you have agency there. Okay. You have agency and you can make that decision. Now, God wants to hold on to you, Mm -hmm. but he's not going to hold you against your will. Okay. So he's not holding on to these branches against, you know, against their will. Um, they will be cut off and, and, or they will be grafted back in. Yes. And, and so, and he talks about belief, but I think, I think as you go further in this and you can use, it says, continue that, that, that doing thing is, is part of that is a, is a, con- it's the sign that yeah. we do believe. You yeah, know? <laughs> I, I think I think we have to be careful with with these doctrines because you really will destroy all the the entire plan with that idea that you don't have a choice because that that's what separated us from the angels. It's what separated us from from all of the all creation. We were given a choice to to worship and love our Creator. And it, and that's 
how beautiful is that? That we have we have all the all the the the, the uh, distractions, all the choices in the world to make, and we come and choose to love Him, choose to worship Him, and that's what He wants. He does not want robots. I think you right. mentioned earlier. He, it's something that that He could, with a snap of a finger or a simple thought, make us all obey. You know, one hundred percent like robots. He doesn't want that. Right. Just like Skip Moen was saying, okay, right. he could exercise that sovereignty that sure. he does have. Yes. Okay. At any time. But he seems for now to be okay with allowing us to make those choices that yes. we make. And he'll continue in that path. He's still going to bring his people to the promised land. Right. But they're not all going to make it because of their individual choices. Yes. You know, so yeah. I think all of those ideas work well together yeah. and, and they, they come at the, the whole concept of once saved, always saved from a number of different directions, uh-huh. but I think still ending up in the same sheepfold. Yeah. Okay? And I, I love the fact that you brought the sheepfold, you know, uh, idea to, to bear here w- with all of this, because uh, we, we can't, I think we pin ourselves or paint ourselves into a corner, I should say, when we, we come up with just one idea and, and get dogmatic about it. There has to be some flexibility here because God God is, he's a loving, merciful, long-suffering God and desires that, uh, you know, we, we come to him freely. He will give us a lot of room in that. Um, and, but just think of how pleased he is and how blessed we are when we align our will with his. Right. And we were speaking even about the comparing this to the marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. That would be true of any of us in a marriage mm-hmm. relationship, too. We don't want to force somebody right. to, to be in a relationship with us. We want them to choose that. There's nothing, you know, there, good, there's good really nothing good about that, you no. know, to force them. That does not make any sense. No, that's called kidnapping. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, nothing good about that. You know. Um, we started this three episode discussion by looking at Romans 11 and we've ended it by looking at Romans 11. Okay. Uh-huh. With that olive tree of Israel. And we firmly believe that as a, that as believers, okay. In the, in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as believers in Yeshua as our Messiah, an understanding of what we've been grafted into changes everything in our life, a yes, true understanding, just like Gary, you said you had mm-hmm. uh, that, that profound understanding that you shared with us and how that changed, you know, through our trust in Israel's Messiah, we become part of a well-established tree with deep, deep roots. Amen. We receive the life-giving nourishment of a faith that goes back thousands of years, all the way back to Abraham, who was chosen by God to be God's representative on earth to bring light to the world. We read in Romans 11 about how some of the natural branches were cut off because of unbelief and how new branches from a wild olive tree were grafted in and how they must remain abide, continue, uh, in faithful, in faithfulness, or they too will be broken off. So this led us to a discussion about the Christian concept of once saved, always saved. And so we went and we used a Hebraic paradigm to look at big God principles and patterns to, to analyze if that Christian doctrine has its roots in biblical truth or human imagination. 
We covered concepts in the last three weeks, such as election and choice, the biblical concept of being cut off that's talked about in both the Older and the Newer Testaments. We dove into the idea of covenants quite deeply, particularly the marriage covenant and how it informs us about our covenant we enter into with God as believers. And we talked about salvation being a continuing walk with God rather than a done deal. Right. So I hope you and our audience are learning to think a little more Hebraically. That's what we're trying to get at. I hope you're seeing that most biblical topics cannot be summed up in convenient little sound bites. Yeah, that's a great point, Kathy. I mean, it's so important that we use a paradigm that allows for the Bible to speak for itself. You know, when, when studying the Bible, we should always look at the literal meaning first. And then, then we can understand if, it, but through the context of the passage, whether it's it's analogous or you know a parable. Uh, and you always said too, we have to look at the meaning as it would have been understood by those to who it was first exactly. given. Exactly, and and uh, yeah, if we don't understand what it meant to the original audience, we don't understand what it means. So you know, we don't need to impose our views and our belief on it. Looking at these um, tough topics such as once saved, always saved, and, and election and choice requires us to be more humble. And uh, we, we just need to rein ourselves in and, and turn off that, um, that, that inclination that we have to run in one direction or another, you know, based on things that we've heard. Right. You know, that, it, that requires, I guess, that, like you said, that humbleness. It yeah. really does. It, it, it turn off our pride. Yeah. Like we know everything. Uh, that's huge. Yeah. You know, I, I think that when I read it in Micah, you know, to walk humbly, humbly yes. with our God, yes. because we don't know it all. And, and we're, you know, Kathy and I would be the first to admit that, you know, even though we're sitting here on this podcast and talking to an audience, uh, 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 you know, doesn't make us right about everything, everything for exactly. sure. <laughs> and so we, we, what we're just humbly trying to uh, contribute to, to uh, your walk, you yes. know, and, and, and have, yes. uh, be able to, and, to and we're seek. open to anybody challenging that to, you know, in fact, we encourage you that you need to, you know, be a Berean and go and look right. and look deeply into these topics, search it out for, yourself. it out yes. for yourselves. I, you're not going to stand before God and say, Oh, Kathy and Gary told me that now, Kathy right. and Gary, if we say something wrong, you know, we'll stand before God and give an accounting, but right. it's going to be you standing before God, right. you know, exactly. And, and that's why I like to, to always say that this is how we best understand it today. Yes. Because how I understand and believe today is not <laughs> what I understood, uh, you know, 30 years because ago. Because of that's progressive for sure. revelation, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. As, as I said, that Romans 11 changed my life. I was on a, a whole nother that's path. That's right. One day you understood it. You didn't understand it. And, and the, the next, next day, day did. you did, yes. you know? So I think that that's... Um, yeah, I think that that's important for us to to remember. But, you know, if I'm going to conclude it, I'll, 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 let me just bring it to a conclusion here. You know, let's let a lot of people are like, OK, you guys have been all over the place, you know, talking <laughs> about all of these things. OK, let's let's do a few conclusions with this Hebraic mindset. I think we can conclude, number one, God will never leave you or forsake you. Okay, can we Amen. all agree to that? Yes. I Amen. think we can. Okay, so he's going to be there all the way to the finish line, mm -hmm. right? Okay. And let's use our Hebraic mind yes. here. We can always choose to forsake God. 
Yeah. We can stop halfway through the race. Right. Right. This, this, this I think, just wraps up both of those concepts and say, it, it, yes, he is faithful. Yes. And we can be faithful Faithl- yeah, or, or not. Or faithless, right. right. And regarding this concept of election, and you're saying, okay, so what are we concluding here about election? I think it's clear that before the foundation of the earth, God chose each one of us for a special set-apart purpose, okay? Mm-hmm. And right. I have the authority to reject that purpose. Yeah. There's that, that the greatest gift that God gave us was the power to choose. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Because we have to choose salvation. If somebody would say, no, it's salvation. No, we have to choose. We have to choose salvation. It. Gary, what's the one thing that we say over and over that I just <laughs> think just sums this up so well? I, I, yeah, it does. And it's powerful. And here it goes. If you could partner with God, would you? <laughs> Shalom, everyone. Shalom. <laughs>